You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Tuesday, February 1st, and we have a packed show for you today. In the first half, we'll start with the newly released Virginia Tech 2022 football schedule, see where the Hokies are going, who they'll play, and how that season may turn out in Brent Pry's first year in Blacksburg. We'll also update you on recruiting hires in Brent Pry's program National Signing Day 2.0 tomorrow with two new Hokies coming in to the program. And then the second half, we'll finally get to some hoops with the Hokies' big win down in Tallahassee on Saturday. All of that and much more coming up on episode 222 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. Welcome you into episode 222 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, whether you're listening archived on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or if you're watching on YouTube. If you're watching archived, be sure to drop a comment, a like, and subscribe to the Tech Sideline YouTube channel. And if you're in the live stream, drop a comment or question for Will and Chris. We'll get to those with Katie at the end of the show. As always, the Tech Sideline Podcast is brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Virginia Tech Wrestling just moved up to 7th in the country after a big win over Pitt over the weekend. You can help continue to grow that great program. Go to southeastrtc.com to learn more and donate today. We have our usual crew on set today across the way. Will Stewart, founder and general manager of Tech Sideline. To my right, Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for TechSideline.com. In the fourth chair, returning after a week off, Katie Adams in the fourth chair. Behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land. And I'm your host, Jake Lyman. Episode 222 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Will, uh, Malcolm and I were talking before we got on the air if we stayed on our usual schedule this week, we would have recorded episode 222 on 2222, which I think would have been just about perfect. I know. Would have been cool, but sorry, I had to disrupt everything. The schedule came out last night. So. Right. Blame the ACC. Well, before we get into the schedule, I want to say great job on the Justin Hamilton interview last week. That was a cool episode. Two hours long. Got a lot out of him. Yes, uh, he's a talker, but it was a lot of really cool stuff. So if you haven't seen it, it's podcast 221. We dropped it late Friday, which is kind of unfortunate, you know, but you do these things when you can do them. Um, so if you haven't seen it, go back and check it out. Uh, great guy, great interview. Finally got a chance to talk to him about stuff I've been wanting to talk to him about for a long, long time. So good stuff. It was a great episode. Make sure to go check that out. But as I mentioned, episode 222, a packed one, a lot to get to. So let's get right into it. Uh, we are recording on Tuesday because last night the ACC announced the football schedule for 2022. We finally know when and where Virginia Tech is going to be playing in Brent Pry's first season. Last year, we remember looking at the 2021 schedule and saying, man, this is just so weird. All these home games up front, almost none at the end. 
it seems like the composition of the schedule at least is a little bit back to normal this year. Yeah, uh, I guess so. I, I think it's uh, three home and one road in September, September yeah. right. and then the opposite in October, and then it's a 50-50 split. Um, I think you're, you're probably generally going to have more road games at the beginning of your schedule unless you're playing like – uh, Wofford. Uh, uh, well, unless you're playing a Power 5 opponent in like a home-and-home home series and your road trip happens to be that year. You know? I think I think you meant you're going to have home games. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Home right. games early. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is more the normal model. People are like, oh, man, only one home game in October. Well, that's kind of the way it goes. Well, kind of – yeah, exactly. Uh, sometimes it's just going to be like that. Um, what's interesting is, you know, we could have three – non-Saturday games this year. We know oh, two, we're going to have yeah. two on Thursdays, and you could have another one. The, the opening game could be on Friday at Old Dominion. Um, now, for selfish reasons, I like that. It means I can watch other teams play on Saturday. Oh, yeah. it means I go to the game on Friday night and then spend Saturday at the beach. That would be awesome. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, so uh, so that is up to three games on non-Saturdays plus an open date, so that's like four Saturdays where yes. you could watch football. Yes, uh, at ODU week one, could be a Friday, also could be Saturday, depending on how TV wants to work that out. And then we do know that there are two Thursday games. Hokies will take on West Virginia in Blacksburg for the first time since 2004 on September 22nd. Mm -hmm. I think that's the game that stands out on this schedule. Rivalry game, primetime Thursday night, that's going to be a fun one. You know, it'll be the first time since 2004 that Virginia Tech hosted both West Virginia and UVA UVA. in the same season. So that's exciting. And it was a West Virginia game in 1994 that really started the Thursday night game tradition at Virginia Tech. Right. Yeah, um, I remember I had just moved down here from – I had escaped Charlottesville finally <laughs> and moved down here in May of 1994. <clears throat> and I remember the buildup to that season. Tech had, had a had a good bowl team. And back when newspapers were a thing, I remember stopping by a convenience store and Virginia Tech was on the – front cover of the USA Today because they were getting ready to play West Virginia in a Thursday night game. And and that was, I think it's fair to say that that was when Thursday night football was also building itself up to what Absolutely. it eventually came to be. Yeah, I think uh, ESPN and Virginia Tech, they were really kind of mutually beneficial to each other back then. I think, I think with the Thursday night games really helped Virginia Tech's program and Virginia Tech did so well on Thursday nights, and the atmosphere was so good, and the games were so good that it helped ESPN brand its Thursday night football. Yeah. You could say, say the same thing for college game day later in, like, 1999. Game day was just picking up steam in 1999, and then they broke their attendance record twice when they came to Blacksburg. And yeah. So it was kind of back when ESPN and the Hokies kind of went hand in hand. Um, but, yeah, Thursday night, West Virginia. I find it interesting that – there's two Thursday night games, and uh, they're not like Friday night games. Because these days, I mean, honestly, I think Friday night games are better because you only t- have to take a half a day off work or one day off from work, depending right. on how you want to do it, as opposed to taking all of Friday and all of Thursday off <laughs> if it's a Thursday night game. Plus, generally speaking, I think the ratings are better these days because you're not uh, – you're not competing head to head with the NFL. Yeah, the NFL yeah, plays, on yes. Thursday night. plays on Thursday night. And, and way back in the nineties, they that did was not. not it was, a thing. And, and it was just one Thursday night game. There was none of this. Oh, here's a game on ESPN, ESPN two, ESPN U, and yeah. CBS Sports has yeah, got it, you know Colorado State playing somebody. Yeah, exactly. None of that one. Um, so, but for, uh, from on the other on the other hand, a Friday night game, you know, recruits can't come to. 
because they all have games on Friday nights yes. for the most part. Yeah. So there's two different ways to look at it. Well, and the other thing about Thursday night games back in the day was the the announcing crew was awesome. It was Tarico and was Herb Street doing Thursday night games back yeah. then? Uh, or so? Uh, yeah. That, yeah. that was the original Thursday night. I mean, that was great stuff. Yeah. Well, from what I remember, yeah. Even a few years ago, my freshman year, it was Adam Amin, who's now the voice of the Bulls and does NFL on Fox. Laura mm. Rutledge was on the sidelines yeah. on the Thursday night games. It seems like they've kind of taken a little bit of a step back from that. Uh, and I wanted to mention also, that is the third home game in 12 days for Virginia Tech. So uh, yeah. you have a feeling the students on Center Street may be a little bit tired at the end of that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll get, uh, they'll get a couple weeks off after that. They because, do. Then you're at UNC, at Pitt, and then home against Miami. Yeah, so you've got September 22nd. You've got a break from then until October 15th. So you... They'll have some time to rest up after yeah. that. Uh, like we do most of, in most years, I think you can kind of split this schedule into thirds. Uh, September, October, November, if you'd like to look at it that way. Uh, the first four games, it's kind of an interesting start. You're playing at Old Dominion, uh, maybe a revenge game for 2018, Coach Brent Pry's debut. Then you come back, you have a home ACC game against Boston College. Then you have Wofford, who's won two games in the last two seasons, and then a Thursday night game against your rival. It's kind of <laughs> just a weird set of games to open up the season for Virginia Tech in those first four. Yeah, and Wofford's kind of for lack of a better word, kind of like a mini bye week because they're not very good. And West Virginia plays that same week. They play Rhode Island, who's also not, not particularly good. So uh, both those teams play five days before playing each other, but you think that ideally the second half of those games would be played with mostly backups for both teams. Well, and you should be able to run your base stuff and not really have to game plan for them and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you think Wofford is not quite Richmond of last year. Richmond not is a, a, a well-run program Correct. for the most part. Yes. Wofford, again, they went, they lost their final 10 games last season uh, before uh, their only win against Elon, a two-point win to open up the year. Mm. That's not good. <laughs> I hope nobody gets hurt. <laughs> I hope nobody gets hurt. We well, can call that one the Mike Young Bowl if you'd like to. The Mike to. Young, yeah. So true. do we know the origins of this? Because somebody was asking me, how do we wind up playing Wofford? And I was like, well, it's possible that when they hired Mike Young, they agreed to do the game. I doubt it. You know, uh, it's so? probably just we needed to buy a game and maybe they were the cheapest available. Yeah. I mean, that's how I would do it. To me, it's like whatever buy game. If you need a buy game, who get – just play. I mean, you should theoretically win the buy game, right? Yes. It's all okay. fun and games. So you start losing the buy. Until you travel to ODU. Yeah. Um, <laughs> except that's not a buy game. That's true. Those are. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. That's a series. Um, ideally, you play the cheapest buy game you could get because theoretically you're going to win it no matter who you play. So save the most money. Yes. Get the cheapest game you can get. Exactly. Uh, and the one game we haven't talked about in that in September, Boston College, uh, Brent Pry's first game in front of Lane mm. Stadium. Not an easy entrance. Uh, uh, Phil Jerkovic is coming, he's coming back. back right? Yes, yeah. uh, and I believe Zay Flowers is going to the NFL draft. I'm not 100 percent sure Thank on that. Goodness. I believe he's. If only we had a person with a computer nearby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe Zay Flowers. Uh, he will return. He's returning. Oh, even yes. better. Yeah. Uh, I figured he would be gone at this point, but no. Uh, so Phil Jerkovic, Zay Flowers, both coming into Lane Stadium. Hokies. Uh, have lost three of the last four to the Eagles, including that really tough loss in, in Chestnut Hill earlier this year. Yeah, but uh, that was with Kennesaw State's quarterback, <laughs> right? Is that where he ended up? No. Uh, no. It was uh, a, a small college it was a in Louisiana. Very, yeah, very small. McNeese State. State. Yes. Same difference. 
<laughs> um, so like, yeah, but like you take that game last yes, year with an extreme exactly. grain of salt because of that. <laughs> Uh, and again, tough way for Brent Pry to be introduced to Blacksburg. But if you get the win, that's possibly a huge win in your first game in Blacksburg. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of have to see how that one works out. So one time when my wife and I went to Wendy's, she ordered a salad. And the salad had a bug in it. And I'll, I'll never forget, like a ladybug, I'll never forget the look on her face. It's the same look I get on my face when, when I think about playing Boston College <laughs> in anything. You know, it's, it's just this... There's you some know. of those sentences you start, and I'm just wondering how Where is he going going with it. You brought it back. <laughs> it just, it's it's not so much playing Boston College; it's losing to Boston College that just which we do quite a lot of recently. Jordan Chapman and James Carnick will live forever in that corner of my mind that I don't want to visit, but I do. Yes, anyway. has Carnick in any of his games since actually? Like, what's has he combined to score 26 points since then? David says it gets. I think he had six points in the next two games total, or something ridiculous that's, that's, like that. He decided to have the game of his life against the Hokies. Well, a few fortunately, weeks ago. as we will talk about later, Florida State fans are going, "Who's Sean Padula? And who's Hunter Couture?" <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the first month again at ODU that could be played on either Friday, September second, or Saturday, September third. Boston College, Brent Prize first home game with the Hokies on September tenth. Wofford, September 17th, and then West Virginia. That rivalry comes back to Blacksburg on Thursday night, September 22nd. And then we get into a tough October. This this seems like the toughest stretch of Virginia Tech's schedule. You have to go on the road to UNC, on the road to Pitt, face Miami at home. You mm-hmm. do get a bye week, and then, a sh- uh, well, not a short week anymore, but a Thursday night game at NC State, who's returning a lot of talent to Raleigh. So, uh, that could be a very tough stretch of the schedule for Virginia Tech where we kind of see where this season's going yeah, to go. It's amazing how everybody talks about UNC because m- more people act these days seem to actually pay attention to recruiting rankings and actual on-field results. But uh, NC State's the best football program in that state. Yes. And, yes. Yeah, no question. And, uh, you know, I think that's – it's yeah, three out of four on the road, but at the same time, like – Look, it's not like there's going to be some sort of overbearing, noisy, intimidating crowd in Chapel Hill, you know? I don't know. I said something like that on Twitter, and, and, and a UNC fan very nicely said, you know, you need to go look at the attendance. It's it's there. Oh, I'm not talking about the numbers. I'm talking about – But are you staying? Yeah, I mean, I went to their last – I went to the last Tech game down there that you were allowed to go to. Right. And it was just – I mean, it was a good crowd, but it was like – just not not a great yeah. atmosphere. At the Duke's Mayo bad. Bowl, the South Carolina crowd was just overbearingly loud, and right. the UNC fans were not. What's right? Absolutely. Yeah. What was the uh, ratio of fans at the Duke's Mayo Bowl? Overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. You, UNC, UNC fans they don't make a lot of noise, but but uh, besides that, like Tech does get an extra couple of days to rest. Because they play West Virginia the previous Thursday. And I don't think that really matters much from an X's and O's standpoint. I think people make entirely too much of that. But I just think in terms of, uh, you know, getting your body healthy and things like that, that that certainly can't hurt. And Pitt, hey, listen, I hate any year where Virginia Tech has to play on the road at Pittsburgh, but I'd rather do it on October 8th than November 8th. When it generally seems like Virginia Tech gets Pittsburgh, it's in November and that's not when you want to play Pittsburgh on the road. I'd much rather play them in October, early October, and that's exactly where Tech, when Tech is playing them this year. And, you know, Kenny Pickett's not there anymore. Yeah, so, and for both of those games, both quarterbacks 
first, possibly second round pick. Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett have both. Mm-hmm. Right. I know this one. They've both declared for the draft. Uh, but also some highly touted guys behind both of them. Yeah, UNC's got a hot shot coming up. Drake May. Yeah. Uh, and Luke Bra- brother. brother of Luke so May. So he is related to Luke May. Okay. Yeah, former top 10 quarterback in the 2021 <laughs> class, top 75 player. And then Pitt just uh, got Keaton Slovis in the transfer portal. Who out, heading of, in, out of USC, is that USC. right? USC. And heading into the 2021 season, he was a projected first-round pick. Man, there's a big difference between L.A. and Pittsburgh. There is. Tyler Van Dyke at Miami coming Devin up the Leary. next week. And Devin Leary, NC Sam State. Harman. We don't play him, but. So uh, a lot of, lot of good quarterbacks in that month of October, at least – Highly well regarded quarterbacks. We'll see how they look this season. And there's so much change with a lot of these teams. Obviously, Miami has an entirely new coaching staff. Um, Pitt's going to have a new quarterback, a talented one, but still a new quarterback with a new offensive coordinator. Yes. Well, and they had a ton of seniors last year. They did. Uh, Should see at least a little bit of a drop off from um, them from winning the ACC. UNC is going to have a new quarterback. They're going to have a new defensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> which can only be a good thing. Which I, I guess. Um, <laughs> I guess. We'll see if anything else changes. Where our defensive coordinators uh, go to die. NC, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So NC and five-star recruits go to die, Jeez. apparently. Yep. Uh, is it really? Oh. Gene Chizik. It yeah. is. Gene Chizik. Good okay. for him. Uh, NC State should be similar to what they were last year. Um, it's funny how uh, Dave Doran all, like, they really wanted to fire him a couple years ago. 2019, they went, they went four and eight, four right? and eight, and one and seven in the ACC, and they've yeah. been very, very good since then. That dude is lucky he survived that because he was pretty well into his NC State career, I think. Oh yeah, like five or six years into yeah, it. Yeah, when, when when you have that record in your fifth or sixth year, the yeah. argument for firing you is a good one. Speaking of firing coaches, Miami uh, at home week seven. Mario Cristobal starts off his era. Uh, this is the first of three new coaches the Hokies will see towards the end of the season. Uh, Mike Elko for Duke coming up later, and then obviously Tony Elliott uh, with Virginia at the end of the season. Uh, what are we expecting out of Miami? I, I oh. You never really know what the Hurricanes <laughs> no. are going to look like. You, no, you don't. I mean, you, you like they change coaches a lot these days, it seems, but – like even in their years of consistency, if you can call it that, you still don't quite know what to expect on a week to week basis. Um, got rid of the turnover chain. Yes, and again, David, who's in the room, mentioned Tyler Van Dyke looked very good towards the end of the season. He's coming yeah. back, uh, and that, that that dude can stretch the field. Yes. Um, so here, so here's my take on that. Um, it does concern me that Mario Cristobal did away with the turnover chain because that means he might actually know what he's doing. Um, well, he and, should understand the Miami culture. Well, so um, should Randy Shannon. So yeah, should, correct. Know, Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz. <laughs> so, should, so, so should Manny Diaz. Um, everybody tells me, oh, I don't know, man, Mario Cristobal, he's a great coach. And I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, we, um, we saw Willie Taggart come over from Oregon to Florida State, and that didn't end very well get there. Chewed up and spit out. Yep, and yeah. Mario Cristobal doing the same thing. Yeah, to I mean, Miami. If if you go from one program to another, and the program you go into already has a bad culture, like I mean, like I don't think like Willie Taggart is a great football coach, but I also don't think he's anywhere near as bad as he seemed to be at Florida State. Right. It's not like they've had tremendous success since he left. No. Right? Not at I all. mean, there are big, much, much bigger issues in Florida State than who their head coach happened to be there for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the same at Miami, too. Um, 
But it's one of those things where, like, if you're a new coach coming in, how much of the culture do you want to change? What needs to be changed? What doesn't need to, need to be changed? Uh, I'll be interested to see some of the stuff at Virginia Tech, like what happens with Pry. Like, uh, you know, the number 25 jersey was a Justin Fuente creation, is my mm-hmm. understanding. Not an athletic department creation, a Justin Fuente creation. So that's a Justin Fuente tradition that honors Frank Beamer. Generally, when you cut ties with a coach, you want to have everything gone. Do away with every, all, all of his traditions <clears throat> gone. But that was a very nice tradition by Justin Fuente, I think, that people like. So I, I, I guess they'll keep it, but I don't know because Justin Fuente created it. And that, that's true. You will have to see what Brent Pry wants to keep or if he wants to just do away with everything from the Fuente era and kind of start with a clean slate. Uh, Miami, again, getting rid of the turnover chain. You'd think that's a good start uh, for the Hurricanes to start to fix that culture. Um, and again, that's the only home game for Virginia Tech in the month of October. Open date is week eight, and that's uh, October 22nd. And then week nine at NC State on a Thursday night once again. First time the Hokies have played in Raleigh since 2010. Yeah, since it, Ty Raleigh. It's, it's starting to get... Uh... I dislike the big conferences, and I especially dislike that there's not just not that many big state schools in this conference. So Virginia Tech and Clemson and NC State don't get a chance to play each other very much. So Virginia Tech hasn't played there since 2010, which is just patently ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, yeah, they got to play Clemson and NC State last year at home when nobody was allowed in the yeah, stadium. COVID. Yeah. Right, so – Right now, I think they're scheduled to play at Clemson in 2024, and that's when the ACC schedules in. The ACC schedules, I believe, get redone starting in 2025. Yeah, there is no model beyond there, 2024. No, exactly. So we, it's we, assumed that Tech will finally play Louisville in 2025. But who knows? You know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, um, we just don't know that for a fact. Um, so, 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 Jim Phillips, if you want to make your mark, change the scheduling model. Right. You know, and I've ranted about this a million times before. I can't believe ESPN, especially now that they've created an ACC network, which they seem hell-bent on shoving every single ACC (laughs) football game over to. I can't believe ESPN, who controls all of college football, and am I getting multiple shots in here or am I getting multiple shots in here? So here's the entity that controls all of college football, and it hasn't flexed its muscle in the ACC and said, get rid of this ridiculous, ridiculous scheduling model. We need NC State and Virginia Tech and Clemson and Louisville to play each other more often. And again, first time since 2010, Hokies have played at NC State. You mentioned Tyrod Taylor, the other quarterback, Russell Wilson, uh, who I believe is on his 11th year in the NFL, yeah. has won a Super Bowl. Uh, and that was eight years ago that he won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And that's the last Russell Wilson threw three picks in that game to J. Ron Hosley. All three. One guy. All three to J. Ron Hosley. I, uh, Russell Wilson doesn't have good luck against my teams. He never played well against Virginia Tech. And when I went to the Seattle Green Bay game a few years ago, he threw five interceptions in that game when I was there. So what I remember about that year, of course, that year started off with the loss to Boise State and the loss to JMU. Mm-hmm. And then that I don't remember how many games later that NC State game was, but NC State got up seventeen nothing. They sure did. Basically after one quarter. At the time it was tied for the biggest comeback in Virginia Tech history. Yes. Until until the Belk Bowl against Arkansas. Yeah. Um so 
I, I just remember there was a moment there where it was like this season is spiraling out of control <laughs> and my phone was ringing off the hook and blowing up with, with texts. And even back in 2010, when we all had flip phones and all that stuff, you know, a lot of action was going on. And then they came back and won in the second half and the season settled down and the rest of it went well. And again, that is going to be a tough matchup. NC State looking good. The good news for the Hokies, not a short week with a Thursday night game because they have the open date before that. Again, tough October for Virginia Tech at UNC October 1st, at Pitt October 8th, Miami at home October 15th, and then NC State on the road October 27th. Now let's look at November, which I would like to classify. Again, we don't know how good every team's going to be. We don't know how good Virginia Tech is going to be. But it feels like that's a favorable ending to the schedule for the Hokies. Extremely favorable. Um, you know, Jeff Collins is still there at Georgia Tech. So you start November fifth with Georgia Tech. November fifth, Georgia Tech. And look, Virginia Tech wasn't very good this past year, but they handled Georgia Tech with relative ease. Yes. Didn't have a lot of difficulty in that game. I think it was twenty six seventeen. I think I yeah, looked it up today. God, Georgia Tech was losing games at the end of the year by like fifty. I think, didn't they lose back-to-back games like 55 to nothing? I think so. I think they went two straight weeks without Notre scoring Dame and Georgia. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like and, that. And then I think they had a lot of transfers out or something. I don't really I think they had a lot. They had, they, uh, I think they cleaned out their coaching staff pretty good, too. The the star freshman running back, who I'm blanking on his name yes. right now, he Jameer transferred Gibbs? to Alabama. To Alabama. Jameer, Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs. Gibbs, yes. Yeah, um, gotta, exactly. Gotta, um, sorry, Katie. He's out. <laughs> I should have left you your moment there. <laughs> um, fast forward the next week at Duke. Again, Virginia Tech, not not a great football team this past year. They steamrolled Duke. Duke is bad. Duke won in um, 17 in the ACC over the last two seasons. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, you feel bad because David Cockliffe did such a great job there, and then he just stayed too long. So they've basically stunk since they whipped Virginia Tech in 2019, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was the that was the last great moment of Duke football. <laughs> Woo-hoo! <laughs> um, so, I mean, theoretically, on paper – that's a 2-0 start to November. Then you're at Liberty. And Malik Willis gone. Malik Willis is gone. Even with Malik Willis, Liberty still managed to lose five football games this past year. And, and it is a little strange. I, I saw Will was talking about this on Twitter earlier today. At ODU and at Liberty in the same year, it's just the way the contracts worked out. Yeah. It's kind of strange to play two you know, lower level teams in the Commonwealth, both on the road in the same season. Yeah, these all these are all part of long term scheduling deals, and which is are designed to save money. By the way, yeah, it's, it's, you it's, know, it's, 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 it's nothing. These days, some of these buy games are costing up to a million dollars. Some of them cost seven figures at, wow. at some of these other schools. And so, if you're approaching the point where you're paying a million dollars, if you've got a ninety thousand seat stadium like Georgia. And you're going to make a ton of money off that home game, then yeah, a million bucks is is a drip in the drop in the bucket. But if you're only selling honestly fifty five to sixty thousand tickets, like Virginia Tech is these days for a you, game against Wofford, uh, right? You can't pay that much money for a buy game. So you, so you get, do scheduling deals. You, you right? You do scheduling deals where you get free home games. You get like three free home games against Liberty and for one, one game trip. on the road. All you have to do is take one trip. Yeah. And I know the fans don't like it, but look, you let's talk about this now because I know we're going to get questions about this later. And we've written articles about this stuff and we've we've talked about this stuff over and over and over and these schedules come out and you can always tell the people who've never listened to us, don't subscribe and never read our stuff because we explain it over and over. Yeah. Um, first of all, it's, it's money driven. And if the ACC TV contract was that of the Big Ten or the SEC, then 
we wouldn't have to worry about money schedule whoever we wanted but but you know you, you can't expect the perfect schedule and you can't expect Virginia Tech to buy, to pay out huge buyouts to to fired coaches almost double their assistant coaches and support salary pool and all that stuff and just go out and schedule and do whatever they want with the scheduling yeah. i mean they have to find ways to save money so they can pay for some of this other stuff. Right. Like, I'm glad we have Joe Rudolph as an offensive line coach. Maybe we don't have Joe Rudolph as an offensive line coach if we're out here paying a million dollars for buy games and things like that. You know, so you have to prioritize if you're Virginia Tech. You don't have to worry about that stuff if you've got an ACC or a Big Ten TV contract or, a, or you're selling out a 100,000-seat stadium. So the, these are financial, financially focused moves for Virginia Tech. And look, it's North Carolina's playing at Liberty. North Carolina's played at ODU. Virginia, NC State have played at ODU. BYU's coming to Liberty. Like this is this is common. It's starting to get common for ACC teams to play these teams, and it's all financially driven because it means they don't have to spend a million dollars on a buy game. ACC teams cannot afford to do that. And it's just the strange coincidence that both of these road games ended up in the same season. Right. I think so, yeah. And, and listen, it's simple. You know, it was the same reason Tech scheduled ECU all, all those years, you know. But, uh, and you did, Tech fans didn't really complain about it until we lost one of the games, right? <laughs> well, we've, lo- we've lost to Liberty and we've lost to ODU, so, you know, everybody's angry about it. But you just go in there and steamroll them and take no prisoners. And if you do that on a regular basis, then not that many people are com- will complain about it. In fact, they'll learn to enjoy it. Exactly. Right? Well, this is a great opportunity. You know, it's it's the whole, I always make the joke about other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> the, the trip to ODU back in 2019? 2018. 2018 was fantastic. You know, there's a ton of Hokies over there. The, the yeah. tailgating was easy to get to and good. And then the game started, which sucked. But the rest of the day was great, <laughs> you know. And so so the other thing, and this is probably the tweet you were referring to earlier, is I think Virginia Tech fans need to be careful. This schedule, and if you haven't, if you don't follow me on Twitter, then you haven't seen me or heard me say this. This schedule, Virginia Tech, since the beginning of the 2018 season, is 16 and 16 against the teams on this schedule. They are 1 and 0 against NC State. They haven't played Wofford. They've lost to every other team on this schedule since the beginning of 2018. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind when you know somebody on our message board said, "Who's telling you this is an easy schedule?" I said, "Well, a bunch of people on Facebook and Twitter." It's not an easy schedule if you look at everything from the beginning. It's an of easy schedule relative to the 2005 Virginia Tech Hokies. If we put that team out there, yes, it would be sure. an easy schedule. And so, so the other thing is the whole Liberty thing. Liberty beat Virginia Tech in football in 2020, beat them 8-2 to two in baseball in April of 2021. <laughs> and the Liberty women's basketball team destroyed Kenny Brooks' team this year, 59-40. to 40. Stop talking about Liberty that way. Just for a little while, because they're doing very well against Virginia Tech in the major sports. And until that changes. And Liberty could have a first round pick quarterback this year, which. Uh, look, and if it looks, listen, if you run away from Liberty right now, it makes you look like cowards. Yes. Because they just beat you. They just beat you in a bunch of sports. And then you're just going to go <laughs> cancel all the series. It makes you look like cowards. So, right. no, keep playing them. Do better. Start being the, the games. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Win the games, and 
I will say that you know we beat we beat Liberty and to go to the Sweet Sixteen for men's basketball. Yes. That's that's who Virginia Tech. Men's beat basketball has been round. taking care of business so, lately against right. Liberty. Right, and I just I don't want to sound like you used the phrase last week. Old man yells at crap cloud. I don't I don't, <laughs> I don't want to use that. But uh, I remember in the 1990s, like growing up watching Virginia Tech football, you looked at the schedule and. You're like, hey, I can't wait to go see Virginia Tech play football. Yeah, yeah, they're playing Temple, and Temple stinks, and Rutgers stinks, and they're playing JMU this week, and I'm excited to go see Virginia Tech play football. I don't get the sense anybody's like that anymore. Mm. It's just, uh, it just doesn't seem, and I don't know that that's anybody's fault. Maybe it's just the echo chamber of social media. It's prob- prob- that's know? probably yeah. it. That's probably that, that's it. one yeah. big difference. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a huge difference. And these two games, opportunities to avenge those losses again. Hokies' first trip to play ODU since 2018 when they lost there, and first game against Liberty since 2020. Uh, with that loss on the last second field goal. So Hokies hoping to kind of get the monkey off their back with those two games at the beginning and then towards the end of the season. And then, as always, the Hokies finish up their 2022 slate with a matchup at home against Virginia, trying to win their third straight. And I believe it would be 21 out of 23, 22 uh, out of 23. I've, I've, lost, I've lost Matt. Uh, lost uh, track it's 17 out of 18 at this point. <laughs> right. So it would be 18 out of 19. Yeah, so it's a it's a chance for a really strong close to the season. Like, don't lose your mind in October if things go right, south. Right, right. So just if you keep your head above water at the at the end of October, you're going to be positioned to have a close to close to, out str- well. to strong yeah. to close strong. Because right now, on paper, you know, I think Virginia Tech would be favored in all four of those games. Now, you know, the last few years have kind of taught us of the folly of. You know, trying to project things way out months at a time and everything like that. But, you know, just looking at what Liberty lost, um, looking at what Virginia Tech normally does to Virginia, looking at what Virginia Tech did to Georgia Tech and Duke last year. And I just, you, you got to feel good about Tech's chances in those in, games. in November. Right, right. Um, now, if you haven't heard the news, Brennan Armstrong is coming back. He is returning. Yeah, and like all, but all, all, they lost all five offensive linemen. Yeah, and, and well, I consider that to be a questionable the, the, decision the, on the, his part. The, the the big thing, yeah, no kidding. Um, the big thing about UVA is like how tough are they going to be? Man, they were soft last year, I and mean, they couldn't stop anybody on defense. I mean, I know they got they got Elko coming in, and he's a defensive minded coach. But Bronco Mendenhall was a defensive minded coach, and well, that, Tony Elliott. Tate Tony, oh, excuse in. me, why Elliot, did I say Elliot. Mike Elko? He's at Duke. Uh, yeah. But yeah, t- t- Tony Elliott, like. We don't know anything about uh, that. Now that is the kind of the mysterious part of November. On paper, yeah, you say you should beat those teams, but UVA's got a new coach. Duke, Duke. has a new coach, and, um, and Georgia Tech has new assistants. Well, I wrote down for Georgia Tech. Tech hasn't beaten Georgia Tech inside Lane Stadium since 2012. That's the last time the Hokies beat the Yellow Jackets in Blacksburg. Really? Hokies have won four out of five in Atlanta, but what? have lost three straight to Georgia Tech. Wow. I, I, you know, I'm, I'll I'm go out. Speechless. I'll go. I'll go out on a limb and say they beat Georgia Tech. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <this year. speechless. laughs> um, I'm just not impressed with the Georgia Tech program. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, they're, they're kind of like a mini North Carolina. Like they got off to a really strong start in recruiting. Under, a lot of a lot of, a lot of social media hype. They kept some four star guys like like Gibbs, you know, in the in state and brought some highly touted guys in. But in the end, they were more. They've been more style than substance and. They've lost a lot of football games. Yeah. So they're like a mini UNC. And, and there appears standpoint. to be some sort of culture 
problem there. You know, their their transfer portals is a little active, so it's uh, yeah. odd. Well, I think their their culture problem there is more so that like all these highly touted recruits, they thought if they went there and played together, they were going to win, and they're not winning, so now they're leaving. Yeah. I think yeah. it's kind of as simple as that. Well, we finally have the schedule. Virginia Tech, obviously, you don't know what things are going to look like in Brent Pry's first year, but we know who they're going to be playing. We know mm-hmm. where they're going to be playing. We know when they're going to be playing. So uh, a lot to look forward to in the 2022 season. Let's catch up on some news and notes around the football program. Some recruiting staff hires announced today. Uh, Jerron Gavea Winslow and Lino Lupinetti were retained mm-hmm. as assistant directors of player personnel. Uh, and Kaishan Jarrett is going to be a defensive graduate assistant. So those are the retentions uh, that were announced today. So uh, what, what do you think of that, the guys who were allowed to stay on the staff? Well, you know, if you follow social media and you saw, saw those guys, they were still tweeting and things like that with for Virginia Tech, then I kind of assumed that would happen. I didn't know right. there would be like an official announcement <laughs> and everything. But, you know, Brent Pry came in and, you know, he had some time to evaluate each one of those guys. So if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. And then some new additions. Cami Cole Nations comes over from Marshall. She'll be Tech's director of recruiting. Uh, worked with Mike Viagrena at mm-hmm. the uh, at Marshall. So uh, a familiar hire there as director of recruiting. And Marshall was starting to move in the right direction recruiting wise. Uh, I think they the signed they signed the number one class in Conference USA last year. Yeah, if I yeah. if I recall correctly. So yeah, I mean, look, you're you're not going to hire every single person from a <laughs> program let's take marshall's people and penn state's people <laughs> yeah so i'm good with it. somebody not from marshall jalen Boleyn. Mm-hmm. name sounds familiar. <laughs> john, familiar john Boleyn's daughter she will be the director of on-campus recruiting coming over from wake forest where she helped dave clauston recruit the highest rated class in his tenure in winston-salem nice yeah um uh so we've got i don't know if they've got if the Boleyns have one kid or more than one kid. Yeah, I don't know how many I'm kids not they sure, have. They have I, one more daughter. They have one more daughter? Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know where she is. But so now you've got John Boleyn is like associate athletic director. He's basically number two man in the athletic director. His wife is chief of staff of the men's <laughs> basketball program, and now his, his daughter is director of on-campus <laughs> recruiting. So you've got the I – th- I think there's more – I think there's more Boleyns in the athletic department right now than there ever were Beamers, which is <laughs> um, So I, I think – one of the things that, that may they may be looking for is someone who will actually stay here for a little while. Yes. You know, and Katie, I know you can speak to this having worked over in the recruiting office. There's a lot of turnover or has been a lot of turnover. I in, think they had three director of on campus directors of on campus recruiting in a matter of about 12 months. Yeah. And granted, one of them was here for like six months and you weren't even allowed to have to host recruits on campus. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of a worthless position to even have at that point. But yes, they would de- they would definitely like some continuity at some of those positions. Continuity. And you would assume she's Clint. not going to leave too quickly. Maybe eventually. <laughs> well, do. the the one I've forgotten her name was was a, a UNC graduate. Alex White. Alex White. Right. Yeah, Alex you knew, White. She, yeah, you knew and, she wasn't going to stay very long. Yeah, and she bounced even faster than I thought she would. Yeah. It was almost like that was Matt Brown. Matt Brown just sticking his thumb in Virginia Tech's eye. You know, not not to not to criticize Alex, but uh, that's just yeah. <laughs> And then one final hire announced today, Glenwood Farabee, the director of high school relations. This is an interesting this hire. This is an interesting hire. He is one of the guys I've mentioned before as saying is one of those in-state Virginia coaches who went on to, to coach in a different state and then, and then win state championships. 
You know, he he coached in the seven five seven. Coached at Indian River. It, well, he coached at like three or four schools. Lakeland. Lakeland. Yeah, uh, he was Devin Hunter's head coach yes. at, at Indian River. Then he won a couple of state championships down in down in North Carolina at Advance. Uh, so um, and played for a third. Right, and played for a third this past season. So I think that you have a guy here with plenty of connections in the seven five seven area and in and yeah, Western North Carolina, right, recruiting right. hotspots. Yeah, yeah two major recruiting hotspots for sure. And you know he's a guy who has proven to be a good coach. And uh, to be honest, he's proven to be a good recruiter too because you have more freedom of movement for players in the state of North Carolina than you do Virginia. Um, basically, the way I understand it in North Carolina, let, let's say you're in Charlotte, you can basically play for any high school you want to down there as long as you can get yourself there. Like they're not going to send a bus from one side of the city to the other to pick you up. But if you can get yourself there, you can go wherever you – if you want to play for this football team rather than this one, you can transfer to that school. So from what I understand, he built a team full he of accumulated superstars. Talent. He accumulated <laughs> talent down there. So uh, – so, yeah, he's a guy who knows, who will know the in-state uh, landscape. In yeah, Virginia. That's, that's, a, that's a really intriguing. It, it's a very intriguing. Guy with hire. a lot of connections and some big spots for Virginia Tech. Speaking of recruiting, uh, signing day 2.0, as I'm going to call it, is tomorrow. Only two expected signees for Virginia Tech: Xavier Chaplin, offensive lineman from South Carolina; Daquan Wright, tight end from Georgia. Any surprises expected tomorrow? No. I got it. Uh, what? Okay. <laughs> um, me and David were just talking about it, but as of 24 minutes ago, we received another commitment in the class of 2024. His name's Devin Alves from you, Palm Bay. 2022? Ford. Yes. Okay. Oh, I, I said 24. Okay, so, Apologies. Okay, so three. Um, yes, surprises. I, he, he's a guy who visited this past week. What's his name again? And, Devin Alves. And I, I didn't know – I didn't think he would get an offer. I didn't know whether he would or not. I know they wanted to see him in person. He's a safety type. Is this a, it says ATH. It says athlete. Okay. And it's wide receiver. Okay. Uh, so I don't know whether he'll be a wide receiver or a defensive back. Um, I don't think he was rated by 247 until this past weekend. Okay. Because um, I, I looked him up when I saw he was first visiting, and it was one of those guys It's basically listed with no offers and has no rating. So I'm like – well, I have no information at all to go in, but but I think I think uh, they have given him a rating since then. I have no opinion because I've yet to watch his highlights right. or anything like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> well, I'm sure there'll be some content on TechSideline.com about him if he if he does sign tomorrow, which is expected. So three editions tomorrow. Yeah, in the and Virginia da- Tech class. Daquan Wright just got bumped up to a four star by two four seven today. Wow. His senior film is awesome. Yeah, um, sixty catches. Uh, something like 14 receiving touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns, two So this is a guy, let, let's back up a little bit. He's listed as a tight end, being recruited as a tight end. He's 6'4", 235 in the 225 to 230 wow. range. And yeah. really plays played receiver. He's basically school. the Bucky Hodges of, of his high school, uh, like where he's listed as a tight end by everybody. But never plays but, tight end. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I looked, I watched his senior year highlights yesterday, and there was one play on the whole tape where he lined up with his hand in the ground. Right, so he's, he's very much a stand-up guy and and he's got good hands um and it was it was funny this is neither here nor there but chris and i were watching uh wright's high school film and you know probably two or three minutes into it we're going who's that quarterback man he's (laughs) he's threading the needle on some of these and and wright's got good hands and runs well and uh, 11.14 in the 100 meters 
which is insane for a guy that big. That big, yeah. So, so he's probably a long strider once he gets up to speed. I he he only he didn't have he had maybe only listed with like one or two other power five offers. I'm not, yeah, I'm not we're not sure we believe that. Uh, um, like he's too good a player to not have, unless there's some other issue that we just don't know about. Right. But his he's an extremely impressive player, and that's a steal. And that, that's three good players who are at least listed at tight end in this class: Daquan Wright, Benji Gosnell, and Harrison Saint Germain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now, definitely uh, some talent there. Yeah, and uh, you know Wright's going to have to be a guy who, assuming he is a tight end, and they don't end up just playing him as an outside receiver, like he'll have to learn to block. Not, not, not I don't know whether he yes. can do it or not because <laughs> there there's no evidence to suggest that he can or can't because there's. He's a, no lined up as a wide receiver all the time. But uh, I'm excited to have his athleticism in the program. And, uh, you know, we'll do our little video. What, yeah, we'll do a little short one-minute uh, yeah. video about him that we'll put out on Twitter when the LOI comes in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look out for those tomorrow again. Now three additions to the 2022 class for Virginia Tech coming tomorrow on signing day. That'll wrap up football talk. But before we take a break, I'll send it over to Katie in the fourth chair. So I have some trivia today. I genuinely don't know if y'all are going to roll your eyes at me because these questions are too easy or if they're <laughs> we'll going to be yeah. difficult. So we'll just see how it goes. Um, first, who was Virginia Tech's first ever Thursday night game opponent? West Virginia. I believe it was at West Virginia game. It was. Yeah. And this is cool because that game was on September 22nd, which is the same date what? as the game oh, this year. Oh, it's setting up perfectly. Yeah. Nice. So it'll be 28 years well, to the day. And the score of that game was 34 to 34 6. 34 to 6. Okay. Yeah. I was basically half as old. I was I was 29, and it was 28 years ago. Wow. I was 11, and I actually don't remember watching the game. Really? No. I remember that, if I remember correctly in that game, George Del Rico just destroyed, I think Chad Johnston was the uh, WVU quarterback. Isn't Chad Johnston like a doctor in Blacksburg? Now? He's a dermatologist. Dermatologist. Yeah, yeah and, and my, my dad actually went son. to... Yeah, I went to high school with his son. His okay. son took Blacksburg to a state semifinal? He, we won a state yes, championship that's right. when he was a sophomore. And then, yeah, we barely made it the next year. We should try to get him on the podcast to talk about the rivalry. It'd be interesting to get who Chad. Yeah, yeah. He was so, the offensive coordinator at Blacksburg High School. So too. there was uh, George Del Rico hitting him and knocking his helmet off, and then late in that game, uh, Ken Oxendine, who was a true freshman at the time, broke free for a long right, touchdown. That was the, run. Yes, because Oxendine was a big time recruit. Yeah, and that was the first time he really like broke onto the to the scene. I yep. Think. Yeah. Um, and like we talked about earlier, ACC has played a lot more Friday night than Thursday night ga- Thursday night games as of late. <laughs> when was the last time that we played two or more Thursday night games in one season? In oh, one my goodness. I, I knew you were going to ask that one. I, I was <laughs> thinking earlier, I was like, you should research that so you know yeah. it. It's and, not as far back as you would think. I'm, I think it might. Was it my freshman year, 2018? Was 20- During the Fuente era. 17. Random guess. Yeah, 2016. Okay. 2016. All right, so, so and those Miami games, Miami. No. <laughs> Pittsburgh. I'm going to guess Pitt, Pittsburgh. Miami and Pittsburgh. Yeah. That's exactly Yeah, right. Pitt was one of them. And it was back-to-back weeks, and we won both of them. Yep. And so then, was, or go ahead. So just looking through, um, and I'm sorry I don't have this exactly right, but I remember that Pittsburgh game in 2016. First of all, it was a great game. Yes. Outstanding game to watch. Yeah. Was that the Isaiah Ford game? Uh, all three, all three tech yeah. receivers had a hundred receiving yards. Yeah. yeah, Bucky and Isaiah <laughs> Cam, Ford and, and Cam Phillips. Yeah, exactly. and the traffic that Tech sideline got the next day. It was one of the highest traffic days of that entire. Well, I mean, just because year. of the nature of the game, but also because we actually won a game in Pittsburgh. 
And, and you're, yeah, we, and if we you had never won in Heinz Field, we still haven't won in Heinz Field, <laughs> except for that one moment in time. Was the wrestling match in, in Pittsburgh or Blacksburg this weekend? It was in Pittsburgh. Oh, there man. we go. Here we go. All right. <laughs> yeah. Tech has a chance of basketball this weekend, too. Uh, that's that's true. But, but, but you remember Jason. that 2016 game was also the game where Fuente went up and down the sideline telling his receivers, you know what they're going to do. We're right. not going to change what we're right, doing. Right. In other words, they're going to mug us. Like, like we know exactly what – there's only one thing we can do from an X's and O's standpoint to beat them. That's throw it deep. But that requires you guys to go up and make plays. They're going to play man yeah. coverage and mug you, and we're going to throw it right. to you. And, go catch and, the ball. And Tech had the personnel to do that. Yeah. 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 That same season, we actually played three Thursday night games, but it's less significant because it was that Arkansas Bowl game, which was yeah. on a Thursday night. Yeah. So three wins. So, wow, three wins. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, and then until this past, this is basketball, until this past weekend, there was four ACC schools that Mike Young had yet to beat. Beat Florida State, so now it's three. What are the other three that he has not beat? Louisville. Louisville's one. Yes, I <laughs> no, knew you would get that God. one first. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has beaten UVA. Has he beaten North Carolina? I don't think he's beaten yeah. North He has? His first season. Oh, wow. That's right. That's right. That is right. That is correct. Yeah, because they, they didn't have a great year that year, I don't think. Oh, uh, Boston uh, College? Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. No. <laughs> uh, Georgia, Tech, Georgia Tech is the other one. So he wow. has a chance wow. to redeem himself tomorrow in back-to-back games Georgia beating Tech. those two foes. Florida State and Georgia Tech. And Louisville. Louisville Senior Day, I think. It is. It's very late in the year. So that'll yeah. be a fun one. I thought they were going to play as well with that first game after losing Chris Mack, but they played really well they against Duke. They were tight against Duke yeah, until the very end. I guess they just kicked somebody off the team yesterday, too. Ooh, really? So they're getting better. <laughs> well, I mean, like, apparently there's big issues there. Like, the, So they fired their coach, they're kicking this guy off the team, and... I can't believe no. it. Well, what, I mean, so can you believe just, that they wanted to hire Bruce Pearl, too, like... You, of course they oh, he got scandals right. in your program and you want to hire right. Bruce Pearl? So I, I, was, I, I was reading an article from October in The Athletic about recruiting, and uh, they, they asked coaches anonymously, you know, who do you hate recruiting against? And they were looking for names. But a Big Ten coach said, um, well, I really hate recruiting against the SEC because they all cheat, and there's a few schools in the ACC that cheat too. And Chris and I are like, yeah, we know yeah, who, those, sure those are, who those are. pretty sure I knew who those are. In football and <laughs> you basketball. You have to be a genius to figure that out. <laughs> And then finally, this is for my own enjoyment, but after watching that ACC Network release show last night and then listening to just like some sports-related podcasts this week, I've heard a lot of people talking about their way-too-early ACC championship matchup predictions. So I wanted to ask you guys, if you had to guess right now, who would you say is going to be in Charlotte? Ooh, that's a great question. With all the turnover in the ACC and the new yeah, coaches, the thing, I would I would nor, I would normally pick Clemson. Yeah, you know, just by default, and I guess I still would. I'm really tempted to pick NC State. Where do we know where that game is? I do not, off the top of my they head. They played well, at NC State yeah, this year. Right. So it's, uh, it's in Clemson, Clemson this year. Uh, yeah, Clemson's got kind of a tough end to their schedule. Like their last four games, yeah. it's like Notre Dame. Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina is their last four. So they, yeah. they close. If, if, if DJ doesn't start playing better, then, you know, yeah. anything could happen. Exactly. And you say Leary is back? Yep. Leary yeah. is back. Oh, wow. It seems like he's been there for a long time. Um, I, I, haven't, I haven't analyzed the schedules. I haven't looked at – I mean, the Coastal, it, it, you can't pick that in October, let alone January. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, that Miami quarterback, man. I'm, 
Yeah. Oddly, uh, I mean, Miami. I actually think Virginia Tech's going to be better than people think this year. That's my. I'm cautiously optimistic, I'm, I'm, I'm but holding, I'm not. I'm not betting against that quarterback for Miami right I'm, now. I'm holding on to the idea that Grant Wells, in particular, will transform this team. We'll see how that goes. Grab the helmet, Will. But you, but you are. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're correct that Tyler Van Dyke is different. Yeah, he's he's different. I mean, he's actually good. He's actually good, like most other Miami players. <laughs> Unhyped and good versus hyped, hyped and, and not good. Exactly. Exactly. He's like the opposite of normally normal Miami players. Of, of the, they all get hype and none of them are any good. And then all they, of a sudden, they, they, nobody's ever heard of this guy, and he's coming in and throwing for five. yards. It goes all the yards. way back to Ja'Cory Harris, hyped yeah. and not good. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Tyler Van Dyke is a good football yeah, player. Yeah, he is, and, and he plays the most important position. And. To think about, I mean, when Tech played Miami this past year, you remember that that big stretch of game where Tech dominated, got back in the game, and it looked like it was going down to the wire. And Tech's defense played great in the second half against Miami, but like he just out of nowhere he just hits that deep ball, you know, for a touchdown, and he can do that at any point. Yeah, and he's scary from that standpoint. Um, the game's in Blacksburg, though. It is. It is. Uh, yeah. you know, but I know that hasn't mattered too much for Virginia Tech these days. <laughs> I'll, I'll go Miami-Clemson. I, I, I'm i tempted, a little bit tempted to say NC State and Virginia Tech, but Miami-Clemson, like if gone to my head and I had to bet, that that would be my bet right now. There there are things that have to, you know, and this is a Virginia Tech discussion, there are things that have to include improve for Virginia Tech that may not necessarily improve in year one, and that's the the – Primarily the physicality and not having so many players drop due to injuries. I don't know if that's going to correct itself next year or further down the road. And, and let's not drill down too far into that because we'll have plenty of podcasts to talk about Virginia Tech. I'm going Duke Syracuse. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. You don't God. think Boston College might slip in there? How many people do you think would be in that stadium if that game actually happened? 72. Eight. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Katie. That was fun. Some good stuff today from the fourth chair. Uh, we will take a break. Long first half, but we will get into some hoops on the other side. Stay with us here on episode 222 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to episode 222 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. We've already talked a lot of football in the first half, went through the schedule, recruiting staff hires, signing day tomorrow, and a lot more. But we're going to dive into some basketball here. We've got our usual crew on set, Will, Chris, Katie, Malcolm behind the scenes, and I'm Jake Lyman. Will, you got something before we dive into basketball? Yeah, nothing major. Just uh, if you're sitting there watching us on YouTube right now and you haven't subscribed, Go ahead and subscribe and and like the video. We, we've had a nice bump in subscribers recently on YouTube, but uh, we're doing some uh, shorter content as well. So don't want you to miss that. So hit subscribe. And the other thing is we recently uh, launched uh, an affiliation with fanatics.com, you know, the ubiquitous fanatics who's everywhere. Um, so if you click through, if you visit our website or you see us promoted on social media, and you click through our links and make a purchase, we get 12% of the price of the purchase, which is nice. Um, and I was telling Chris today, Fanatics makes me want to buy stuff, man. Their, their website's really nice. They, uh, they do a discount, basically. You know, we've only been with them a couple of weeks, but they've done a discount each Sunday. That's a 24-hour code that you can use. So keep an eye on Tech Sideline for us to announce whatever that is on the message boards. Um, so 
Yeah. Uh, if you're thinking about getting some hokey gear, uh, come to our website and click a Fanatics ad. We wish we had them in place before Christmas, but... Yeah, you oh. know, that's me. <laughs> well, make sure to check that out. And again, if you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. And if you are in the live stream, still time to get your comments and questions in for Will and Chris. We'll get to those in just a little bit here. Let's talk some basketball. Uh, again, finally, a little bit of happy stuff to talk about. We'll talk about Miami a little bit. But let's start with Florida State. Hokies winning in the Tucker Center for the first time since 1990. Uh, and that was just a day where Hunter Couture and Sean Padula decided they were not going to miss, uh, combining to shoot over 80% on 18 shots from three-point range. That's right. Only one-third of the people in this room were alive the last time Virginia Tech won in Tallahassee. Bimbo I don't even remember it. So Bimbo Coles is playing for Virginia that's, Tech that's, that's the last true. time Virginia Tech that's won true. in Tallahassee. And Bimbo Coles has been retired from the NBA for a long time. After a long NBA career. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, um, I think last week is sort of the perfect example of the peaks and valleys of college basketball season. And, you know, some peaks can last several weeks and so can some valleys. Sometimes you can get a peak and a valley in the same week. Well, Tech had the lowest valley and maybe the <laughs> highest peak of their oh, season man. within four days. It My, was, it, I mean, Miami. It was so awesome. Um, it kind of reminded me of, like, that Wake Forest game. when uh, Remember when Tech had started 0-6 in the ACC, Deron Washington had gotten, uh, gotten suspended because he kicked Lee Melchione in the face. And, for doing uh, what we all want to do. For, for being a Duke player. <laughs> uh, Coleman Collins missed that game because he was spending time with his dad. Yeah. And and Wake, was Wake ranked number one? No, no, it was a much different year. But they were good. No, I don't even know if they were good. Well, they had but, that big but, dude, They Eric were better somebody. than us. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Tech went down there and beat them. And that was the first time A.D. Visayo had really played. Yeah. And he couldn't miss. Scored 29 points. Yeah, You're like, and, who is this guy? Right. And, and we, we complain so much about your John Carnicks of the world. like James Carnick. James Carnick, excuse me. And, I uh, actually know somebody's name, so I'm going to jump in. <laughs> I still don't know his name, even though he scored 26 points. <laughs> I but, don't uh, want to know his name. But, but, but you know, uh, that Boston College game that Tech lost, uh, it always seems like it's somebody every year in some random game that goes off, and you're like, who in the heck is that? Well, that was the game I couldn't watch because, you know, John Swafford's impressive uh, television, television infrastructure <laughs> isn't available at my house sometimes when it's on Raycom. Um, anyway, uh, so I'm sitting there keeping up with it, and he, he starts scoring all these points, and I'm like, who is this guy? I've literally never heard of him. Yeah. And, uh, well, now Florida State fans know how that feels. Because <laughs> yep. all Sean their fans Padula. are probably like, who is Sean Padula? He averages three points a game. Yep, 3.6 a game, and, and he, he scores 15 in the first half. Eight, eight, <laughs> did he score all six in the first half, or was it five in the first half? Padula had five in the first half. Five I, guess, in the first I think half it was five one or five. Did he have another one in the second he half? Would, he, he was he six did. of he seven. Six, yeah, and he made his first six. Yeah, pretty sure he was five of five in the first yeah. half and added one in the second half. So, yeah, that's Florida State fans are feeling what Virginia Tech fans have felt a few times. And yeah. the crazy thing is, like, it was all – Sean Petula in the first half, and then he cooled off a little bit in the second half, and then it was all Hunter Couture. I think he half. just got out of Hunter Couture's way in the second half. Uh, you know, he was probably willing to keep shooting, probably would have done well. But yeah. Well, it felt like the game was going to be all about Sean Padula, and then he kind of fell into the background because six straight threes doesn't match nine straight threes from Hunter Couture. Right. Like, maybe it's crazy because 
Padula played so well and his shooting was so hot, but yet you you don't even re- you're not even thinking about it very much because the performance Hunter Couture had, and I mean he tied Virginia Tech's three single game three point record with nine. Yeah. Yes. And I, I I wasn't even really keeping up with the game on on um, on Twitter. <clears throat> I was just watching it, and I didn't really want to see what people were saying. I've kind of gotten like that during games now. Um, but as soon as he as soon as he hit his ninth three pointer, I knew he had tied Justin Robinson's record because I had recently gone back and watched the highlights from that Syracuse game. And that was the night where Justin Robinson broke the career assist record and also broke the single game three point record. Maybe the best night a Virginia Tech basketball player has ever had. Yes. All things considered. Yeah. And then he fractured his fifth metatarsal mm-hmm. the next game. But that's another story. Um but yeah, that's uh, so I, I knew he had, he had tied the record, um, and at that point, God, there was still plenty of time left. So I thought he was going to break it, and he just he never put up a last. He didn't shoot another he one. Didn't shoot another one. And and as Katie reminded us before we started uh, uh, recording the podcast, uh, Hunter Couture went on Packer and Durham. Uh, today's Tuesday. He went yesterday morning, and he said nobody told him that that he had tied the record. And, you know, it wasn't like he was crying and whining. He just put it out there and, and as part of the conversation. He says, yeah, I didn't know I'd tied the record. I wish they told me and, and let me have a chance to break it. And you think they would have told him if it was in Castle. He would have known. They would have put it up on the board. Hunter Couture tied the record or something yeah. like that. But uh, not down in Tallahassee. I believe he said in that interview that he was in one of those zones where you don't even have to look at the basket before you shoot it. You just know it's going in. It seemed yeah. like it. It seemed to me like, you know, Virginia Tech, They've been struggling this season, and Couture's a really good three-point shooter. And then throw in the fact that Aluma was in foul trouble. I mean, if you how many minutes did he end up playing? I don't know. It couldn't have been I more than either. 12 or so. Is that many? Really? It just feels like 12. It feels like 12. Because he it, usually if, plays 37. Right, yeah. <laughs> so if you told me he'd had that little impact on the game, and the Virginia Tech would walk out of there with a double-digit win, I would have been like, no way. How in the world does that even yeah. happen? Um, mm. I thought Padula and Couture both – They see, I, th- I thought they took more shots that were a little – that they ne- wouldn't necessarily were taking earlier in the year. So Some of those uh, Couture w- 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 took in this game, I guess maybe a little bit of it is because he just started feeling it. Um, but even some of the ones Padula took in the first half – I thought from they've been passing up those opportunities most of the year. It's it's the whole do you pass up a good shot to get a great shot and having a feel for that and and everything like that, and also knowing sometimes you just got to go out there and let it fly. And they let they let it fly, and they probably didn't have any other choice with Alumo on the bench. So if if, if you're going to have a game to get really hot from the outside, it's that's the right team for it to be because they've got so many seven footers and they're going to have the advantage on the inside. So you've got to make more three pointers and they make two pointers <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah, and it was. Uh, it's not often that I get a chuckle out of watching Florida State play defense against oh. Virginia Tech. Usually, it's it's tear your hair out type stuff. But you know, they were they they were they were missing two or three guys. Um, yes, prob- I, I don't know the their starting point guard. Yeah, so the leading scorer. Yeah, so that's an, that's an. That's at least one important perimeter guy, and they were they were bringing the backups and the taller guys out to try to play defense, 
And you watch, I think it was Couture's next to last three-pointer where he's just toying with, I think it was McLeod, a seven-footer right in front of him. Yeah. And, he, and every time Couture faked towards him like he was going to drive, McLeod would step back, you know, and finally Couture just popped it right in his face. Yeah. Were, were, they were getting a lot of switches, seven-footers on Padula and Couture, and then just ISO and let, it, let him go to work, which wasn't really something we saw from Mike Young over the last couple of years. No, and, and I agree with that. And I, I think this was one of those games – were I don't you don't want to say a road win against Florida State is a must win because if that's the case then you know Virginia Tech's had a, had a pretty futile history of <laughs> playing at Florida State but when you're down three key players like Florida State was and you've got all your guys and you you go two and eight in the ACC if you lose that if you game. lose you really need to win it exactly and uh you need to take advantage of those situations. Like, wasn't, well, it, wasn't when, it Xavier that was that, missing? That, that, that's yeah. where I'm getting at. You know, Xavier was missing half their team when Virginia Tech played them. And Virginia Tech lost the game. That, sh- that never should have come down to the last second shot. Virginia Tech should have beaten, should have been able to win that game. Yeah. And that's probably the most disappointing moment of the season for me. Because, like, when NC State came in the, came in the castle after Virginia Tech was coming off COVID break, and you knew Tech wasn't going to be able to play effectively for 40 minutes. Like, NC State took advantage of it Late took, in the game. And, and, <clears throat> and won the game. So it was disappointing to see Virginia Tech not take advantage of the situation that the basketball gods granted them against Xavier earlier this year. Um, but it was very satisfying to see them take advantage of that situation against Florida State. And I'm sorry Florida State's players are – apparently it's tonsillitis is what they say. Yeah, one of the guys is tonsillitis, one of the guys is out there. Right. One one player has tonsillitis. One has a family matter. David yeah. Cunningham said. Well, yeah, he had his brother who I, th- I think died yeah. back in November, and yeah. he he'd been trying he's to been deal with it and to... just needed a break. Yeah, yeah. he was there at the game, but right um, in street clothes. Exactly. Caleb Mills. Caleb Mills. That and he played a little bit. I want to say. But he just didn't look. Oh, so he wasn't in street clothes. Okay. No, 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 Mills was the guy with tonsillitis. Okay, Mills had tonsillitis. He was the leading scorer who came in and just he didn't look right. Yeah. Tech kind of picked on him for a little bit there, and then he went back. Off he goes. Off he goes. (laughs) Um, But you know that that gets you back into it. It does. It gets you back into the conversation. Yeah, Um, and especially with the stretch coming up, Georgia Tech hits Syracuse over the next few weeks. Yes, lots of teams like that. Now, there are two ways to look at it. Our Virginia Tech, their computer numbers, generally speaking, are, are good enough. It's just going to come down to whether they can they win can, enough games. Yeah. They have an op- opportunity to win enough games. If you look at their remaining schedule, every one of those games is winnable. Every single one of them. A lot of tough games already out of the way in right. the ACC for Virginia Tech. But the problem is, um, like, where are the, quad- where are the Quadrant 1 wins going to come from? Yes. But Not that, there. Right. I mean, that's, that's another reason. Like, is, is Xavier top 50? I don't believe don't so. Don't believe so. Okay. Uh, so, like, I, I, th- I thought Tech would end up with two or three quadrant one wins from their non-conference schedule this year, and they didn't end up with any. And here we are in the ACC, and the ACC, quite frankly, is not good. And there's just not that many opportunity for quadrant ones, even in the ACC. It's not a good league. And especially when you don't play Duke, Florida State the rest of the way. Right, right. right. So, you can, you play at Miami on the road. I mean, you get Carolina at home, but right now that's not a quad one win. Carolina's a bubble team. And Virginia at home, they're not as good. Say, the one team from Tech's non-conference schedule, if things are not going well, 
the one quadrant the one oh, okay, quadrant good. one team is Xavier. Yeah. So, okay. so so Xavier would have uh, been a quad one. Win. But, but everybody right. else, Maryland, Memphis, yeah. So Mar- Mar- yeah. yeah, I mean it makes sense. Maryland, Memphis, Memphis has been bad. Uh, oh, I'm over the shocked. Last few months. I'm shocked. Yeah, <laughs> shocked. Um, and I wanted to mention Couture and Padula, first two teammates to shoot over 80 percent from three point range with 18 or more shots in the last decade, all of college basketball. Mm. No two teammates have done that. See, I love stuff like that. When when you see stuff that you just don't ever see, yep. and and we had a similar situation last year where um, uh, Radford Tyrese Radford was the best rebounder for his size uh, in the history of college uh, basketball, yeah. basically in the last twenty years. Some so he he was doing things that a six zero or six one guy just didn't do for right, two decades. Right. There's a site, and I forget which site it is, where you can. It's, it's, it's not a well-known site, and uh, but you can sort players by height, and you can look up rebound percentage, all players under 6'2 in these years. And uh, I did that, and it's like, yeah, he's literally the best rebounder un- his- under 6'2 <laughs> of the last two decades. Like, literally. It was a so, list of thousands not of players, hyperbole. Yeah, and he was um, at the top of it. Yeah, so he's he, he was a complete unicorn. Um, so, yeah, when you have a when you have something like that that happens historic. in a Florida State, it's historic. It's like when NC State scores 24 points in a basketball game against Virginia Tech. It's one of those moments like you play so many basketball games, right? It's tough to remember all of them throughout the years. Like I don't remember what happened in the 2007 Virginia Tech-Georgia Tech game that played in, in Castle Coliseum. Like, I have no idea. But like I'll never forget that NC State game because they scored 24 points. <laughs> I'll never forget that Florida State game because of that historic three-point shooting outfit. And, uh, and so, you know, I've, I've made fun of Hallmark movies before. And, you know, so so my wife watches a ton of Hallmark movies. I watch, I wouldn't say a ton of sports, but I watch a lot of sports. Well, guess what? Hallmark movies are always the same. And sports are not always the same. <laughs> That's why we watch, because you never know what you'll see. You think you know, but you never really know. That's why it's the best entertainment business in the country. Yeah. Uh, and I think you have to hand it to Mike Young for that performance against Florida State on Saturday. It could be really easy for that team to just kind of mail it in after what happened on Wednesday. Miami yeah. hitting a half-court buzzer beater to win it. You fall to two and seven in the ACC. It could have been really easy to just be like, "Well, that's it. That's the one that." And broke they us. were last in the ACC. But they were last. At that point. And I was not optimistic. <laughs> I remember I was like, oh, "I guess I'll turn it on." And watch Do you really this. want to watch this? Yeah, I know what's going to happen. Why am I torturing myself? Was it a national <laughs> broadcast? I know it was ABC. It was, it was, it was, it was ABC. National. Yeah. Was it national though? Oh, I yeah, believe yeah, so. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. And Ho- you hopefully, get, somebody actually. You, you don't get too many. Uh, Nationally, you get nationally televised ESPN games, but you don't get nationally televised network games. Nah, I remember when Virginia Tech beat UNC and Castle with uh, Hansborough and Ty Lawson and that group, 2006-2007 season. That was nationally televised by, nice. by by ABC wow. or CBS. I forget one of those. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And. and- as soon as that shot went up against Miami, I kind of knew it was going to go in. It's just kind of how you feel. Uh, but David did the research for us. We've talked about the luck metric uh, uh-huh. and how that can factor into how teams win or lose close games late. After that Miami game, the Hokies were 356 out of 358 in luck. So who was uh, worse? Who, who was unlucky? It was, it was Howard. Howard. Was, it was like, 
Howard and Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky. <laughs> uh, two staples of college basketball. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and again, it's just, it's Virginia Tech. That happens sometimes. Uh, yep. My Miami Charlie Moore uh, with, I want to say, 1.8 seconds on the clock, hit the half-court buzzer beater off the backboard and in. But the Hokies bounce back well, 3-7 and seven in the ACC. And the next four, again, I mentioned it, Georgia Tech at home tomorrow night, 9 p.m. tip in Castle Coliseum. Then the Hokies go to Pittsburgh, then play Pittsburgh at home on nice. Monday, and then I believe they have off until Syracuse the next Saturday. Saturday. So and, 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 and these games Castle. are ACC Network, ACC Network, ACC Network, and then the Syracuse game. I've still got it listed as ESPN two or ESPNU. I don't I don't know okay. if that's been settled. Yet. Syracuse is not good. Yeah. No. Somebody asked Jim well, Beheim on Monday in the press conference. They were like. So you haven't been very good on the road this year. And he goes, well, we haven't been very good at home either. <laughs> so they, they did just blow out Wake Forest. I know, uh, I know. Which wow. all the things. It just shows like how you, weird you the ACC is this year. Yeah, I know. And I don't know, man. The computer numbers suggest that the ACC is more like a mid-major league this year than a than a high major. Kind of like an A-10. Yeah, ex- except we went, what, 2-10 and 10 against the A-10 in non-conference <laughs> or something like that. Not too good, but uh, so look, so Virginia Tech they're in a position where they need to win a bunch of games to close it out. So from that standpoint, yes, the ACC's down. There's a lot of opportunities to because the win. computer numbers are fine, right? You're, so if you win enough games, your net's going to be good enough. Your Ken Palm's going to be good enough, and all that. But how much is quad one wins going to factor in? Um, is that going to affect whether Virginia Tech would have a chance to get in the tournament or would it just affect their seeding once they got in the tournament? It would certainly affect their seeding. Life on the bubble, baby. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's um, Virginia Tech. Right now, though, like, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because at this time, after the Miami game, I was like, well, that, that, that dream's dead. And then the Florida State game and Let's be clear. And, Tech is not on the bubble. Tech is right, not in the conversation. Right now, Tech right. is outside the, well outside the bubble. But right, if, right. You, if you – String a few wins together again. Georgia Tech sure. two and seven in the ACC. Pitt is three and seven in the ACC. You get to play them three times in the next six days. Yeah, yeah. So you're sitting there at fourteen and ten, and then all and of a seven sudden seven and seven, seven and seven, yeah. and you're right there. And right now Tech is fifty third. Right now Tech fifty third exactly. in the net. So that's mm. it's yeah, not that's, great, but a, a couple I, of wins could pull you up into absolutely. that conversation. Absolutely. Uh, and Georgia Tech, I mean. It's kind of weird with Josh Pastner win the ACC last year, and now you're he's, worst he's, in the he's ACC not, this not a year. Good coach. It, it's just um, he, it's it, spiraled it, for him. It reminds me of. Do you remember when Georgia won the SEC tournament that year? Yes. Okay, yeah. so it was. Uh, that was a bad team. That was a bad team, and that that tournament was supposed to be played in uh, the Hawks Arena, and Atlanta got hit by like a big tornado like the day before the SEC tournament, and it damage the Haw- Phillips is it still Phillips it's State Farm Arena now okay I can't keep up with them but damage the Hawks Arena so they had to move it uh, move the SEC tournament to where Georgia Tech plays so like <laughs> half the fans couldn't even get in that had tickets it was a complete mess Georgia ended with a losing record and they finished like four and 12 in the SEC <laughs> they end up winning the SEC tournament <laughs> and that saved their uh, head coach's job for another year, even though he wasn't a very good coach. And, of course, they stunk again next year. Didn't win the SEC tournament this time, and then he got fired. And I'm sure Virginia Tech was on the bubble that year, and it did not help. Did not when get it. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that was one of the reasons. Was, was that the yeah. same year Virginia Tech had lost to Georgia early in the season? No. Okay. No. Um, P.J. Horn still at Georgia. I, I found really? that out. Uh, I was watching – 
forget what game it was, an SEC game, an SEC ad comes up and it's PJ Horn in a Georgia jersey. I was like, he's still there. So And Hadim C is still playing still college basketball. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Virginia Tech going to face Georgia Tech tomorrow night, Wednesday night in Castle Coliseum, 9 p.m. tip off, late night action. Hokies can start to string a few wins together if they can get that one. Uh, would be a big one heading into a weekend of Pittsburgh, first up in the Steel City and then back at Castle on Monday night. Before we wrap up here, I'm going to get it over to Katie in a second. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the Washington football team. I know we've got a lot of Washington football team listeners, usually hand in hand. They're going to announce their new Is name that tomorrow. tomorrow. Oh, it's tomorrow? They're announcing their new name tomorrow. I'm going to read off the finalists for you. I want to hear your, your picks for it. I already know mine. All right. The Armada. The Brigade, the Commanders, the Defenders, the Presidents, the Red Hogs, or they could just stay with the Washington football team. Stay with the Washington football team. Okay. All that other stuff just sounds so generic and made up. and Just just stay with Washington football team. It's unique. It is. Yeah. I mean, what what is the Cleveland baseball team now? The Guardians? Guardians. Just call yourself Cleveland Baseball. Yeah, they changed that this year. Yeah, just call yourself Cleveland Baseball Club. Get on with it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm not a big fan of singular names. Armada yeah. and brigade, brigade in there. So, so when somebody – so, oh. like, so like when you meet somebody in a bar who doesn't know you're a professional athlete and she says, who do you play for? Well, what do you say? Well, I'm, I'm an armada. I'm a, I'm a member of the armada. <laughs> I'm part of the, the armada. I play for the armada. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You can't say like I'm a packer. Right, like, like it doesn't flow off the tongue like that. So, I, yeah. I, well, they wanted to go with Red Wolves. Apparently, that was kind of the well liked. The fan base wanted it, but apparently there was a trademark issue there. So, right, right, right. Uh, we will see tomorrow morning. I know Hokies fans, Washington football team usually. So, so who's making the decision on this? I think it's their president, uh, and I think they might have a committee of some oh. sort. Um, <laughs> sure, it'll make their fan base Committees very always happy. make really good the, decisions. The rumor <laughs> yeah, right absolutely. now is that it's going to be the commanders, uh, and I've heard the Washington football team fan base not too pleased about what that. Are, what, are, what are they commanding? Certainly not their division. <laughs> but I'm It's true. Uh, we, <laughs> we will see tomorrow. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. I'm sure all the Washington football team fans are, are pleased to get some uh, some time here on the TSL podcast. Look, I, I'm a Braves fan, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I know at one point they're going to make the Braves change their name. I know that. With, with that there's not a doubt in my Braves, mind. Braves, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but it's going to happen. And when that happens, I don't want them to make up some generic name. Just be the, just just be the Atlanta National League Baseball Club. That's all. That's all I'd want to see. Yeah. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe they do just stick with Washington Football Team again. It is one of the finalists, and I think honestly, fans might like that more than the Commanders. Uh, with that, let's hand it over to Katie. Any good questions in the YouTube chat today? Not really. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. <laughs> there's only one question. And honestly, you guys might have answered this on a previous podcast. I'm not sure. But from Let's Go Hokies, they asked, what sport do you think Tech has the best chance to win our first national championship in? Mm. Traditional wisdom, you know, in recent history would say wrestling. But the issue with wrestling is like, what is it? The Big Ten won like nine of the last ten national yeah. championships. And Penn State is or is it Penn State or Ohio State's won like seven of the last eight? Penn State. Yeah. Penn State. So, like, all the power in wrestling is nestled into these two or three schools. And everybody else, even, like, like you could be, but Tech is ranked seventh in the country. Yes. But, like, 
the gap between number one and number seven in wrestling is massive. It's Re- huge. Wrestling like, may the, be the gap m- between 30th and 7th is as big as the gap between 7th and 1st. It might be the most top-heavy collegiate yeah. sport. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. And, and Having watched the softball World Series last year, the teams at the top were, you know, well, you saw when UCLA – Virginia Tech won that first game against UCLA because, in my opinion, UCLA didn't take them seriously. And then they flexed in those other two. And, and it's so it's a tough question to answer because you look at the rankings and, and uh, let's take softball. Oh, we got Keeler Brochard. We got a lot of players coming back. Yeah, but I saw those teams last year and the gap is big. And you look at wrestling and you think, oh, Virginia Tech's, like Chris said, number seven in the country. It's, it's not that far away. Yeah, it is. I mean, especially um, in the sports that are all about physicality. Yeah. Like wrestling is all about physicality. And, um, you, and you don't out-scheme anybody in wrestling. you got to beat the guy across <laughs> Exactly. You, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Tony Roby's not drawing up X's and O's plans. <laughs> no, and changing not things in the middle of a match. I think one of the soccers. That, was, that would have been my pick. Yeah. Any, anybody can beat anybody in soccer I mean, on we, any given day. We saw two and years ago Marshall, Marshall won the men's correct. and Santa, Santa Clara won the women's side. Right. So there's a there's – a, Yeah, I would definitely – And we used, to all, we used to also say women's lacrosse, but you – know, They've the, dropped off a little bit yeah, in recently. Um, we said that when like – I think in Song's second year, they made the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah. And they were ranked top 15, top Something 12 like heading that. into the right. year. And that was a year like, it was J- JMU versus Boston College for the national championship right. in women's soccer. So why not so us? Why not us, right? So I still don't discount that. Yeah. I, just, I just don't know nearly as much about lacrosse as I do soccer. But yes. I I think, you know, soccer's definitely a sport where, uh, obviously, Virginia Tech has had guys number, drafted by, by number, one, know, overall number one overall pick. Um Five consecutive NCAA tournaments. Even after losing the number one overall pick and a second round pick, they still had a really good season this year. So they've proven that they have quality depth within the program. So you know, you know, you have you get you get a year where you have multiple quality upperclassmen. Um, you get a good seed in the NCAA tournament and good draws, and and it's about where the and ball maybe bounces. maybe win a game on penalty kicks, and and you're right there. You know, it's, it's, things could break. It's, your that's way, the nature yeah. of the sport. Yeah, and it's a different question to ask who are the best teams at Virginia Tech and who has the best chance to win national championship. Because right. best right. teams, I think you would say softball and wrestling. It's just there's the the programs at the top in those sports are just so dominant every year. Now, does anybody know anything about swimming? Because apparently, the Virginia Tech men's swimming team is really coming on. I I do not. So time time to learn about. We need that. to maybe we spend a podcast on swimming coming up here. Uh, <laughs> if they really round into form, uh, well, if that's it from the YouTube chat, thank you, Katie, for checking in on those, and thank you to everybody in the live stream today. I think that'll wrap things up here on episode two hundred twenty-two of the Tech Can, I, can I read a podcast. tweet from Dick Butkus? Dick Butkus, go tweets. ahead. Dick Butkus is on on Twitter, and it looks like it's the the legit Dick Butkus. And yesterday he tweets. Shout out to my nephew, Luke, the new O-line coach for the Packers. So great to see you moving up with an expansion team. It's petty. <laughs> it's pretty petty. I've seen, I've seen Dick Butkus. He's been on Twitter more often lately. He's been getting uh, a good amount of publicity on there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's up to 128K followers after joining in September of 2020. There you go. So he's been here a year and a half. He's doing things right. And again, we, we congratulated Will last week. He had 10,000 followers. Follow Will at WillStewartTSL on Twitter, uh, founder and general manager of TechSideline.com. Let's get him to 11K soon. 
Uh, to my right, always want to thank Chris Coleman for his insight at Chris Coleman TSL on Twitter. Katie Adams did a great job in the fourth chair again today at Katie6Adams on Twitter. Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land. And I'm Jake Lyman, your podcast host, signing off. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the Hokies men's basketball games this week, fans. We'll see you next time.